You know what's better than being the first millionaire in your family? Knowing that you won't be the last. Join me for more on this episode of Seven Figure Sister. Hello and welcome to Seven Figure Sister. In today's episode, I am so super excited to be sharing with you a very special guest. In fact, one of the most special guests that I could have here on this planet. And that is because this special guest is my son, Guy DeWeaver. And so you might be wondering, why am I having my, let me, let me correct that, Guy DeWeaver the second. Okay. And let me just say, you might be wondering, why are you having your son on this show? Dr. Avis, it's because I want to talk about building million-dollar legacies and how important it is to integrate your children into your business from day one. What I think is incredible about my journey along this entrepreneurial path is that from its very beginning, it included my son as an integral part of this process. And I want you to know, not only has my business benefited, I believe he has benefited. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about building a million-dollar legacy into your children. Welcome aboard. So, Guy, how are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> Great to have you here with me today. Nice to be here. Now, I, I do want to say, you know, as I mentioned, you've been a part of my business from the very, very beginning. But the reality is I saw entrepreneurial sort of uh, excitement and curiosity and drive in you from the very beginning, right? Yeah. Right? You know the story I'm about to tell, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when he was in primary school, primary school, this one right here got in trouble for selling paper airplanes on the playground. And let me tell you, he was so good at it that so many kids were literally spending their lunch money on his paper airplanes that he got in trouble and the man shut him down, okay? He got shut down. But I'm wondering, gee, what do you think sort of sparked in you, even from that early age, this entrepreneurial yearning? And what did it feel like to have that yearning not extinguished? Because I think a lot of families would have said, oh my God, he got in trouble, stop. You know, for me, I was like, that was very, uh, that was very entrepreneurial. That was very ambitious. I saw it as a good thing. And we just kept the move, movement growing, right? And going. So tell me what you thought about that. What what sort of yearn started this entrepreneurial tilt in you right from the start? Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, mom, I've always been very free thinking, you know, very beat, uh, you know, moved to the beat of my own drum. Mm -hmm. um, and when this was going on, I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, people... Um, actually, the way it happened is I was bringing my own airplanes to school. Yeah. Um, other kids uh, liked them and wanted me to make theirs. And I said I would do it. And then um, it's turned into, um, you know, not even a bidding war, but I um, ended up, you know, getting to the point where people would actually pay for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I never saw anything wrong with it. Um, and then when I did get in trouble and, and brought that home to you guys, you guys didn't reprimand it. You guys did uh, give me that positive reinforcement to say that, you know, these types of things are okay, even though I can't do it in school anymore. <laughs> You know, but you guys definitely took the initiative. You know, Dad took the initiative to let me know that this was okay to do. Um, just had to figure out a different way to, uh, you know, flex this type of entrepreneurial muscle. Yeah, and that you did like yeah. all the way. It's just amazing to see this 
go full circle, but it's still going because you're so young. So your life has really just taken off. Uh, he just completed his MBA. So he's continued this entrepreneurial um, journey through his educational attainment, but also through what we've done together. Um, now you have from the very beginning, I remember way back many years ago when you were in middle school, uh, he created my very first funnel. Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> you know this sister wasn't going to try to figure that out but he figured it out he created my very first funnel and we got a lot of people signed up for my very first webinar ever like a couple of hundred to me that seemed at that time it felt like a whole lot of people right so we had a couple of hundred people signed up for our, my very first webinar ever in large part due to this funnel that he created for me as maybe what maybe like seventh or eighth grade when you did that yeah and uh, and then guess what, you guys? That very first that very first webinar, it, it, what round? You remember the round number we got in that webinar? Uh, yeah, about yeah. <laughs> the, the round number was zero. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it was nada, nothing, not one sale. So, can you share just to me, you know, what it felt like for you to be? not just a bystander, but intricately involved in this business from day one, from that first sort of letdown and the hard work that went into having that letdown, all the way to ultimately being my number one closer on my sales team before you went into graduate school full time. And, uh, and now seeing this business continue to grow with your advice, because I will tell you, he is still my most trusted advisor in my business. I still go to him for advice in terms of ideas and direction. Um, to see it go from zero to multi-seven figures, what does that mean to you? It means everything. You know, I tell my friends all the time that being able to see you chase your dreams has really inspired me to really go out there and chase mine. You know, there are a lot of studies that talk about, you know, PhD parents and then how they kind of have PhD uh, kids, you know, <laughs> really, like, I didn't yeah. know about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a thing. Like if you're 80% more likely to get your PhD, or maybe it's not 80%, but yeah. some percent is more likely to go and get your doctorate degree. It's yeah. Their, their parents have, have theirs mm -hmm. or at least one of them have theirs. Um, but I knew from early age that I didn't want to do that. Right? I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, um, yeah, never, never, I always knew I did not want uh, to go on and get my PhD, but um, again, that support that you guys, you know, kind of gave me and, and you specifically in, you know, being able to really find what I'm passionate about and chase that, right. And seeing you do that for yourself. And even though you have your PhD, obviously in political science, and then, um, you got to kind of just continue to grow and continue to find what your passion was and how you wanted to attack life really gave me the freedom, you know, to, to want to do that for myself. So then speaking directly within this business has been awesome watching it. I'll really grow from 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 this, you know, yeah, small the first goose egg. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> to to where it's at now. So it's been it's been a pleasure. And I really attribute a lot of my success to being able to see you really go through your success. Because you know, you know, a lot of people talk about again, you know, how if you always have that level of privilege, and I'm not speaking down on that, but you don't appreciate it a lot of times, you mm -hmm. know. But really being able to see this grow from nothing has been a pleasure. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure to have you as like you know, my, my ride or die yeah. the entire time, which to me is, is so important for us as parents. I think it's our responsibility to make that. So, um, you know, 
it's just been integral for me to have not only God as a ride or die from the very beginning in my business, but literally my youngest son, his very first job was in my business as well. So it's just been very fulfilling to me that I was not only their first basketball coach for both of them, but in addition to that, uh, the first employer for, for both of them. And business has been especially been Guy's passion, which is a talent that I saw in him and a drive that I saw in him in his earlier days. Now, I'm not the only one to appreciate that. It makes me think of uh, one of the internships that you had at a major, what was it, like Fortune 500 company? Fortune 100. For, oh, excuse me, Fortune 100. Don't want to, don't, yeah, get it right. Okay. Um, major Fortune 100 company, and he was in sales in, in that company. And I remember uh, towards the beginning of his internship, I got a call from his boss and his boss took me, to, you know, told me to come out to to lunch with him. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I felt like I was being, you know, called to the principal's office. I'm like, what the hell did he do? Has he even been there long enough to mess up this bag? You know, but I, I went in there to, to see what he wanted. And as soon as I sat down uh, across from him in that restaurant, the very first thing that came out of his mouth was, what did you do to make him so fearless? Like, what did you do to make him so fearless? And to me, I was like, mic drop, my job is done as a mama. But let me ask you that question, guy. What makes you so fearless when it comes not just to attacking life, but specifically when it comes to sales? Because that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, I think the first thing for me, I'm a very rational thinker. A lot of times I, I think I have a good mix. We talk about this a lot of left and right brain, right? Yeah. I'm creative, but everything that I do is typically grounded in, in strong logic. Um, to me, you know, sales a lot of times is one of, first and foremost, it's a numbers game. You know, you know the those are going to come. Um, I think you talk about this. I don't know if you give us up in a way, but <laughs> talk about in, your, in one of your programs about chasing the notes, right? Yes. Actually going after and trying to get those notes. And when you try to do that, you know, a lot of times you get some yeses. Exactly. You know, so I think um, just understanding that the notes are going to come, you know, don't, that helps you not take them as personal, right? So that, that was one thing big for me that I understood early on, you know, you're going to get some no's, but when those yeses do come, they feel great. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And you know, on the other side, here you are, you've completed your MBA, you're about to start, I don't even know what fortune this one is. Yet. Is this like fortune one, you know, 50 or something? I don't know. I don't want to insult you again, but yeah. a major, um, let's just say tech company, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where once again, you're going to be in their sales division, but not just their sales division, their very top sales division. Like yeah. you guys are the closers, closers, yeah. right? And you only work with contracts that are 750,000 and up, yeah. right? Yeah. So when we think about numbers like that, what I find is that when I'm working with clients who I'm just trying to get their brain around charging $10,000 for what they do or charging $15,000 for what they do, yeah. and you're selling at the 750 level and up, and how old are you once again, guys? 26. 26 years old. Okay. Listen, y'all, we ain't got no excuse. Okay. So a lot of people can be intimidated, though, by the numbers, right? Definitely. How is it, let me just say this thing back up. One of the things I understand about sales also is that confidence is transferable. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of folks, when they are at the point where they are about to say their price, all of a sudden they get scared, mm-hmm. right? And it, and even, you know, it, it shows in their voice, in their body language, all of that. You're at this place now where you are in, in a team where you operate at the 750 and up level in terms of sales. How do you... Um, 
get your brain accustomed to getting comfortable, not just with pushing through the nose to get to the yeses, but being able to say these astronomical numbers with confidence and bring those deals to a close. Yeah. I think first and foremost for me is the understanding that just because I couldn't afford it, right, doesn't mean that they can't. It's powerful. Say that one more time. Just because I can't afford it doesn't mean that the customer can't, mm-hmm. right? I mean, once you get through that, then it's not really about the numbers. It's really about the quality of the service that you can provide. And that's what I always try to ground a lot of my sales in, right? It's because I've, I've worked in, you know this, I've worked at companies where it was a sales job, but um, the, what they were selling and, and the way we we're going about it might not have been the most ethical way, mm-hmm. right? So I left that job very, very promptly. Um, it just didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you know that you're providing true value for your customers and you know that you have the solution for what they're looking for, it's less about really looking at it like sales and more about consulting. How can I help you fix the problem that you are facing? Your mm-hmm. business? So that's what I, do. I love it. I mean, that's just a healthy way and to think about it and to approach it because it is true. Yeah. I do believe that first bit of advice that you that you shared there, just because you can't afford it doesn't mean that your potential customer can't is a huge one for people to wrap their brains around because I do believe that's part of what holds people back when they are selling at a high ticket level. Maybe your business is just starting off and maybe you're saying, hell, I can't even afford this at this price. Well, it doesn't mean that you can't be of great value to the person that you're selling to and it sure as hell don't mean that you're not worth it, right? So once you get the fact that you are solving a high level problem, which of course necessitates a high level price tag to fix. Hello, all right? Once you wrap your brain around that, then hell yeah, so say that price, say it confidently and bring it to a close. Yeah. Now, I, I wanna say one more thing before we log off here for today. And okay. that is about, I think the process also that helped you to get here. Okay. Um, ever since G was very young and throughout my career as an entrepreneur, he mentioned I have a PhD in political science. That's pretty far away from sales. Okay. That's about as far away as you can get from sales. (laughs) Okay. So I had to learn, right. And part of what I did and the main thing that I did to learn was invest in various different coaching programming, coaching and mentorship and all along the way to learn how to do what I do, because this was in a completely different field than all of that education was about. Okay. And so, you know, one of the things that I was very intentional about doing because I knew sales and business was an interest of guys and because he was an integral part of my business from day one, I brought him with me. Yeah. Like when, before I was ever a millionaire, like we were in rooms with millionaires going over business strategy yeah. and, and learning how to sell. And we've been doing that for years. Um, you know, how helpful do you think it was for you to be in those environments from a young age? Extremely. And, and I don't, I, you know, take a little sidestep here because not even just that, but I mean, even before that, I remember I was in rooms with, with, with major politicians, right? When I'm yes. with you on your, on your uh, trips and, and with your war ceremonies and things like that. So including the Obamas. Right. Including the Obamas. <laughs> and he com- brought compliments to me on my suit, but we're not going to get into that story today. I'll save that <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's been, you know, at, at that young age, really being able to have those types of experiences under my belt. Right. Gave me, gave me confidence to be able to have those conversations with millionaires. And then when I was having those uh, conversations with you and the millionaires and everything that were in the coaching programs with us. Right. And they were I was able to I felt more free to be able to speak my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And then them really validating and affirming that I had good ideas. You know, really, you can't take that confidence away from me at this point. You know, now I'm, I'm in the classes. Obviously, I went to 
uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I went to Johns Hopkins University to get my MBA. So obviously the major uh, predominantly white institution, but I don't, you know, feel like I'm at a place. I always feel like I'm in my skin. And at this point, you cannot take that confidence away from me. And I definitely attribute a lot of that to you and the spaces that you've really just had me in uh, from a young age. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that that, I'm glad that that worked. (laughs) But I'm excited that you're saying that because it definitely, I believe it's, it's our responsibility as parents, but it's also us too. This is a big thing. This is a big thing that people twice your age don't get, honestly. Gee. Uh, And it comes wrapped up in something called imposter syndrome. And we're going to do a whole episode on that. But the bottom line is that you need to know that you belong in every room in which you enter. I don't care who is in there. I don't care if it's presidents. I don't care if it's millionaires. You belong there. You have just as much validity and intelligence as anyone else in that room. And it is it is critical that you embed that confidence, not only in yourself, but in your children, because that allows them to have the freedom to go out and attack this world with everything that's in them so that they can achieve their wildest dreams. Now, I know my biggest goal for you, G, when I was, you know, when you were doing all this stuff with me as you were growing up was... My goal was to expose you to people and to opportunities uh, that I didn't get a chance to have access to until I was 40. And I wanted to, well, God, until I was way beyond 40. Uh, And I wanted you to have those types of experiences by the time you were 20. So I wanted you to sort of, you know, have a shortcut on that learning curve. Do you think I was able to achieve that? Definitely. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear that. Now, if there are any tips that you could give anyone who's listening who has young children or older children uh, around how they can infuse their children in their business, what would you suggest? Well, I think, you know, being in with your business, we've seen, I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs come in and bring, you know, small kids and older kids. So I think the first thing I would say is don't don't be afraid, you know, to have your kids tag along with you. A lot of programs will offer that. Um, if not for free, you know, at, at a modest fee. And I think, honestly, it's an invaluable investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's really been awesome. And I know a lot of people might, you know, think that that's not commonplace and that they might be the only person there. But again, that's going to expose them to higher levels of thinking and really higher levels of networking than they're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, because I have been talking to, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, people as smart as college professors, right, since I was, you know, a, a kid. Elementary school, yeah. yeah. Right? So yeah. when I got to college, it felt like, you know, I, I was supposed to be there when I got to grad school. I feel like I was supposed to be there. When I, now that I'm in my position that I'm in now that I got an internship, it's always felt like I'm supposed to be there. You know, so I would just say have the kids tag along. Do not be scared about that and make sure that they know that they're supposed to be. Absolutely. So my charge for you this week is to think about how you can integrate your children into your business, how you can really allow them to have some say in what you're doing. You know, they have good ideas. Believe it or not, they really do. And I I will not ever take away from the fact that I know that my business would not be where it is today without this one right here. So you don't know what you're looking over and what you're not taking advantage of, not just in terms of the health of your business, but also in terms of the bond that you will create with your child that nothing will ever take away by growing something together that will really expose your wildest dreams and theirs to the world. With that said, thanks for joining us this week on Seven Figure Sister. I'll see you next time. 